Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Recruiting Animal here on March 18th, 2015, March 1-8-2015. And I want to tell you about something. The other day, I put up a question on Facebook, and this is what the title was. How many months or years did it take you to get good as a recruiter? And of course, I got a lot of people claiming that I wasn't being clear. I didn't expect it, but of course that's what happened. What does it mean to be a good recruiter, they said. What does it mean? I thought it was obvious. When you get a search assignment, you fill it with someone good in a reasonable amount of time. How much brains does it take to figure that out? And if you want to expand on it a little, you could say that to be good means you make a lot of placements and a lot of money and your clients are happy with your work. But not everybody agreed with me, and I have to admit, I got some interesting answers. Glenn Cathy, the famous black belt of recruiting, said, or black belt of sourcing, I can't remember what he calls himself. Anyway, here's what he said. He said, you don't have to be a good recruiter to make a lot of money. He said, I know people billing 300000 to a million dollars a year who are better at finding a way to make money recruiting. It can depend on the situation they're in, their relationships, and even their unethical business practices. He also said that there's many recruiters who are very good at what they do, who don't make a lot of money. And there, he seemed to be talking about corporate recruiters who don't earn a big fee for every placement. Not only him, another smart guy objected to my title, Donato DiOrio. It's not spelled like the cookie. That's his name. Anyway, he brought up a valid point. He said third-party recruiters, excuse me, third-party recruiting has three parts, sourcing, recruiting, and sales. And not everybody is good at everything. Some great sourcers aren't good with clients. And someone who is great at sales might not be able to source candidates. That's what Donato said, and he was a great recruiter before he became CEO of his own sourcing software company, okay? And to my surprise, even Jerry Albright said, being good does not always manifest itself in your wallet. I've known, he said, many good recruiters that knew more and did more than most, but were not wealthy by any standard. Thankfully, some people actually came up with an answer to my question, and one of them was Glenn Cathy. Finally got around to saying it takes six months 
to get good. He said, whenever I train people, I tell them I learned 90%, 9-0 of what I know today in about nine months. Nine months. He also said, I've seen people develop into excellent recruiters in less than a year. Less than a year out recruiting people with 10-plus years of experience. I'll go on just a little more. Sandra McCart, another excellent, experienced seasoned recruiter she said some people just get it and with a little bit of training they're off and running but others take years they turn out to be good recruiters but they'll never set the world on fire she also said that someone with prior business experience in sales or management has a better chance of getting to be a top recruiter in six months six months she also said that a great recruiter in one niche may be a total loser in another that's pretty interesting so you can't really judge skills by the results if that's true and i get the feeling that she means there oh Boy, what was I going to say? I know a recruiter. We all know him. Everybody who listens to this show, he's a smart guy. But when he left his first employer and went out on his own, he went into a new field. And that field wasn't used to using recruiters, he discovered. And he didn't make a lot of money there. So after about a year, he went back to his old niche. The point was, it had less to do with the recruiter than the situation he found himself in. I'm stuttering. Sorry, what can I do about it? I could go on, and in fact, I will another time, you know. Uh, All I can say is, as of this month, I've been doing this show (laughs) for eight years, and I'm still not a good radio host. But Jerry, Jerry, can you tell everybody, what show is this? This is the Recruiting Animal Show! You didn't want to sing, you didn't want to show with the music today. No, you, you told me five minutes ago, cut that shout off. Shut, yeah, shut it down. I, said, I said, don't think what I meant. It's impossible to please, dude. Don't exaggerate it, I said, okay? I mean, and you said, no, 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 I heard everything. You don't like me. You wanted to be no, short. No, you told me to cut it down, and I did. Yeah, but you didn't have to gargle. You usually drag it out so much that, you know, it sounds like you're you're cleaning your teeth or something like that. Anyway. All right. I know you got well, Dude, you went on way about. too long, man. It's worth the six-minute mark. This is ridiculous. No, is it really? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought I might be. And in fact, I was writing a new one just before the show, a, a shorter one. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I already had this written, so I figured I'd, I'd go with it. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I've had sorry. a big bowl of uh, goldfish staring at me ever since it started. <laughs> normally, normally, I'm into this at four minutes after. I appreciate the feedback. Why don't we get to the You want to hear it? So listen people... to him. Listen to him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, let's see. if they... uh, I know the guest is here. Jeremy Size. Size. <coughs> size more or Size more? Welcome to the show. Thank you. And it's pronounced like it has a Z. Like a, a Z. Okay. Size. Then why doesn't it like have a Z? Then? Size more. Let's yeah, why doesn't that. it? Why doesn't it? 
Someone okay, somewhere along the way, 200 years ago, changed it. Yeah, okay. Jeremy, do you know, uh, what's it called, Long Black Veil? Not familiar with Long Black Veil. Okay, so the alternate, I told you, you pick a song, we'll hum it. Your favorite song, we'll sing it or hum it. My favorite song? Yeah. Mm. Like, didn't you didn't you prepare for the show? Is that what you're confessing Not, right at the beginning? I did, I did not rehearse any humming of any songs. No, I'm not familiar yeah. with that. You have favorite, are you gutless? Is that what you're trying to tell yeah, us at the beginning of the show? You're gutless? You can't sing or even hum a song? Nope, can't do it. I I thought we were coming on a talk Shame about a recruiting show. Shame yeah, on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. You know what? I knew when you sent me an email that you didn't read any of the literature I sent you. Sorry. Well, once yeah. again, another guest accidentally presuming this is a recruiting show. <laughs> yeah, I guess the title got me. Well, okay. I was actually anybody, uh, making money and recruiting more than yeah, I was reading anybody, some email. Does anybody <laughs> want to sing long, uh, a couple of verses yeah, of Long, long Black Bill? Ten years ago, no, on a cold, Probably dark out. night. Hey, sure. who's ever on that line there is pretty terrible. Okay, we'll move on because Jerry said I took too much time. Anyway, look, Jeremy. Jeremy, before we get into it, let me ask you: Do you agree with Glenn Kathy? Like who's who's making the? We just need to get like a, you know, maybe one of those extended polls. Who um, is that? I don't know. What's the area code? If you're not talking, mute your phone, please. Thank you. All right. What was your question again about Glenn? Okay. Well, okay. First, I'll get back to him later. Anyway, this guy's name is Jeremy Sizemore. Sizemore. Sizemore with a Z. Yeah. He owns a company called ASAP or ASAP Talent Services. It's a boutique SAP executive search firm. And we're going to get into lots of details. I think that's really all they have to know right now. What do you say, Jeremy? Anything else you'd like them to know before we get going? No, I think that's right. I've uh, been recruiting a long time, and I think to your uh, your earlier points that I think almost every one of them was right because it's a complex question uh, about what makes a great recruiter great because if you asked a candidate what makes a great recruiter great, that's not what I asked, entirely... okay? That's not what I asked. Let me ask you the did, question, you didn't, okay? You didn't ask me anything. You just made a big comment. Question. Do you agree? I'm going to talk over you. you hey, agree? Jeremy, I like your attitude. Don't take a bunch it, of crap. If you need to talk over animal, comment. go ahead. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to just badger comment. your way to the top. People don't like clarify. it when – let me lead, okay? Do you agree that bad recruiters can make big money, like Glenn Cathy's beliefs? It would depends on how you define bad recruiter, but uh, yes, I do. I think people could be a bad recruiter and make a lot of money if the definition of a bad recruiter was – uh, making very good placements that stay at those companies for a long time. So if retention was your uh, one thing that you measured, you could make a lot of placements, and those people aren't there two years later. Uh, and you you're still going to get a lot of, business? Mm-hmm. Hold on. You're still going to get business? No. Nope. But if people re- are really, really good at biz dev and they're really bad at making really good placements, they can actually make a lot of money for decade, two decades in a row, make a lot of money. So, yeah, that would be the answer to that. Uh, there's really? a very, very real truth. Oh, yeah, sure. If you're really good at biz dev, I knew people that were really good at selling retainers all day long. And if your market was big enough that you, you could just literally go after, you know, say, 5,000 to 10,000 companies in North America and just constantly sell retainers, you actually don't even have to be good at fulfillment to make a lot of money. Well, let me business. just check in with Jerry because he shocked me when he – On the biz dev side. Jerry always says, look, if you can't make more money than me, you can't prove it. You can't disagree with me. But he also said 
that being good does not always manifest itself in your wallet. Jerry, you want to justify well, that? You sure, I'm, I don't think uh, Jeremy would disagree. You can be good and not make a bunch of money. I think you can find examples. I agree with Jerry that you can find examples of that. So internal recruiters, that could be an example. They could be good at sourcing and recruiting and maybe not make that much money because that's how corporate America sets it up. Uh, I do think if they use those same skills and went to an external firm and they were a great re- candidate recruiter, they could probably make a lot more money. And I, do, and I think people that are good at full desk where they can do biz dev and recruiting are the ones that can actually make the most money. And by a lot of people's standards would be okay. The you're best just talking blather now. Let me move on. You're just no. You could be a good recruiter working in a company. Maybe you're just on a salary no, and you're okay no, with that. No, and you're no, just no, a conscientious no, good party. recruiter. This, this, this conversation is so party. subjective until somebody defines oh, what is a good recruiter. And and you can't argue it. Uh, you, you know, know at, at the I end of the day, I didn't want to down in this. Uh, sorry, let me just I'm go out on. of here. I love your animals. No, no, it's okay. But you know, uh, it's not a. Get out of here, Newman. But I'm okay. sorry, Newman. Do you have an? Yeah. You want to say yeah. anything? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I got I nothing again. to add. I just don't think we can I have the discussion without without knowing who's a good or what is a definition of that because I yeah, think okay. it changes. I already That's said all. it. If you, you didn't listen to my intro, obviously, okay? Uh, I was you, in you a little a late. Like, what okay. I was in a little late. Let me move on. What, I'm moving on, okay? I'm moving on. Jeremy, you say, Jeremy, look at me. You say on your LinkedIn profile that you are the in the top 1% of most viewed LinkedIn profiles. Isn't that true of a, a lot of recruiters? Just because they're recruiters, people are always looking at them, and it's really nothing to brag about. Although maybe it helps to pull you know, pull wool over people's eyes. People's eyes. I I have no idea. All I know is LinkedIn sent me a report that said that, and so I took yeah, their yeah. word I, for I, it. Because I think a lot of people got <laughs> it. Uh, we all got that. One too? Sure. We all sure. got it. Sure. But you know what? Here's sure. where he's smarter than us. We figure so what? He advertises it. He brags about it. Does it bring you in any money? Yeah, it does. Um, why don't you guys Google uh, SAP Talent Acquisition? Google SAP Executive Recruiter. Just no, no, Google no. it. And you'll you'll see that my LinkedIn page is on page one. My LinkedIn page is on page one. Something for free, along with my website, along with press releases. We usually have five results on page one, where most firms have zero. And we have over 10 inbound calls at least every year of companies that call us that we didn't even know about. Uh, we convert of our inbound calls when companies call us, we convert over 90% of them to retained because the dynamic has changed when a company calls you versus you calling them, asking them for business. So I just, I just did a search for SAP recruiter, yeah, which I think is probably where your basic people would go. Sure. I've located McGee SAP recruiters, SAPrecruiterdaily.com, Indeed.com, utechnology.com. I'm looking, I'm looking, I want to find you. Okay, Jerry, be quiet, please. Okay. Hold on! Don't tell me to be quiet. Our fantastic guest, and he's a good guy, he said, do a a search. However, he limited his search terms to what works for him. Nobody's going to go there. I actually put in over 30, and every one of them are, don't give the same results, no doubt about it. But if you put in a SAP executive search firm, SAP talent acquisition oh, okay. firm. Okay, Jerry's SAP, got a point. Uh, They're going to put in yeah. your SAP recruiter. That's yeah. right. You have to put in lots of different terms. What if someone put in SAP recruiter Texas versus SAP recruiter New York? All found points. All yeah, you can do I'd do like to corner them all, man. You asked the question, did I make money, and I answered it. Yes, we do. 
We definitely make more money. We have a better SEO strategy, I think, than most most firms, and I think most recruiters do a horrible job at this. Okay. I would agree. Can I lead the show? Can I lead the show? It's just now getting good. You want to ruin it? Step in. Lead. 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 Okay. You also brag that you got SERS, S-C-E-R-S, certified in 2014, and you say less than 60 people in the U.S. are certified employee retention specialists. What's that about? Uh, that is a NAPS certification, if anyone's familiar with NAPS, National Association of Personnel. But they're one of the, the – there's very little collective – uh, bargaining. There's no uh, lobbyist that represents the recruiting industry in Washington, D.C. Our industry is so new that one of my pet peeves is there's not like really anyone that's formulated a national anything that has any pull. NAPS is trying to do that, but NAPS, uh, you know, certainly run a national conference a lot of people are familiar with. They got local and regional uh, NAPS groups in different states. They have the cert- certification. It's a formalized process. You know what? You bucks, talk too much. Deal. You talk too much. You just, I don't want to hear about naps. I want to know, does this make you, you money about, bragging that you're cert- you certified? You, what you didn't ask about you? money. You said, you said, tell me about What does it do for you as a recruiter? Hold on, Jeremy's got a point. He's got a point. He, he was talking money. about what you asked him about. Ask okay, what, now mean what you say and say what you mean. Up. You're I'm not doing a very good up. job of that. Listen to One me. thing that great, great recruiters me. say what they mean and mean what they I'm say. I'm going to block you. I'll block you. Don't talk over me. <laughs> the people are complaining about it. Twitter, okay? Say what you mean. What do you mean to say? What do you mean to ask? This serves. Does it make you money? And what does it give you the ability to do? And be concise, okay? Yeah, I can only think of one way this may be money so far. Um, we just landed a, a large retained project, and they were looking for some extras. And I told them I would throw in a, uh, a two-day retention course for their executive leadership team. Uh, so, one, you know, it helped me land that project. I can't say that it exclusively did anything. And I haven't yet well, built no, anything out. No, I'm impressive. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm impressed. I haven't yet, yet okay. built anything out directly on it. I've been certified for less than 12 months, but, yeah, I haven't, yeah. haven't made a ton okay. of money with it yet. Okay, yeah. you also brag that you are a boutique SAP executive search firm with a customer-focused approach to SAP talent acquisition. What does that mean, a customer-focused approach? Who doesn't have a customer-focused approach? Uh, tons of recruiters don't have customer-focused uh, approaches. I'm going to give you some examples. I used to work for an MRI office. Uh, the training taught us to tell them that we focus on permanent placement. That's an example of not being customer-focused. It's jamming your model down their throat as, a pro, as opposed to hearing what their needs are and solving their problem. So you want to sure. hear how we do it? Okay. Okay, how yes. we do it is we, yeah. we understand what the, problem, what the client's problem or challenge is. If it is in any way related to talent, we try to solve that problem. It can be perm placement, can be contract hire, can be just pure staff aug, uh, contracting and consulting. And also, our, our pricing model is not fixed. A lot of firms and firm owners will teach all of their recruiters, this is our pricing. We, they turn down business below that pricing. And sure, everybody should draw a line in the sand, but if they were better at what they did, they would give something to get something. And so, in other words, when you're negotiating and a client wants to be at 20% and you think your firm needs to be at 25, tell them, the only way I could do that is if I had an exclusive and you paid me a $10,000 retainer up front. So now you've kicked out the competition, you've uh, uh, got all the business exclusive, and you've got skin in the game of getting money up front. Okay, you have a slightly said, lower what fee. What if they said, oh, Jeremy, yeah, I can see what you want to do a trade-off. 
Well, I'm not really into that. What would you say? Look, it's up to each of us to figure out, A, it's better to walk away from bad business than sign a bunch of crappy clients and go waste your time working these vendor models where you deal with HR only, get a piece of written job description, don't get to talk to the real hiring authority, and then waste your time only to find out that, oh, we didn't tell you we had an internal promotion two weeks ago? Um, so we, we assess uh, the level of the partnership that the client wants, and we reflect our activity based on the level of the partnership. If it's, if it's exclusive retained, and we get to deal directly with hiring authorities, we're the only firm on it. Obviously, that stuff's at the top of our hot sheet. So some of it is our own choice of whether we want to work with them. But when we find a good partnership, we want to understand what their needs and challenges are and customize the way that okay, we uh, Okay, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me ask a follow-up question. Let me ask a follow-up question. Okay, sure. so you're offering a wide variety variety of services. What if you're working for a firm that's only doing permanent placement? Are you would you if you were going to be a good recruiter, would you find out if maybe they only really need a contract person and advise them to go somewhere else to Jerry or something like that? If our client needs SAP talent, we believe we're the best firm in the country that can help them solve that problem. If it's yeah, a, yeah, an area that's said, not in our no, wheelhouse. No, no, I'm trying to don't, don't we'll talk send circles them around me. Don't talk circles around me. Okay. That's I a bit said. aggressive, animal. See, this is where you're starting to lose some of your potential guests. They hear that and they think, I don't want that guy talking to me like that. Mellow out a bit. You know what? I'm like, I'm like Jerry. Mellow out. If I, he's my client on this show, and if he's going to pretend he's on one of the no, other shows, no, and no, let no, no, no. forever, and then pat them on the back, go to those shows. He's go your customer. Me, okay? I got people. You're his customer. The they want reality. Okay, now, Jeremy, that's what I'm saying. You said you sort of take a consultative sales approach. If you're dealing with a potential client, first you analyze their needs to see, you know, you're not just trying to push a permanent placement on them, but maybe you offer like, uh, you know, a menu full of 12 different kinds of uh, 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 deals. Okay, but what if you're only doing direct, you know, permanent placement? Should you send that person away? That's what I want to know. For someone who doesn't have, you know, the wide variety of offerings you do. Right. Well, that that, that was the beginning part of the topic. Uh, you asked me about being customer focused, and I was that's what we were talking about. But and I gave you the example that a lot of firms jam their very narrow version of what they believe their business model is down the you client's throat instead of solving their problem. That's question. what the whole conversation started speech. about. I didn't ask for a speech. Yeah. If you're only – you gave the example of only you know, jamming permanent placement down their throats. Right. If they call right. you and they want to get a permanent placement and you really figure out they don't need a permanent placement, are you going to send them away or are you going to give them what they asked for? Yeah, well, that's up to each person to make that decision. I believe that a lot of recruiters are certainly going, well, we don't do that. So here's what does happen is that another firm does do that, and let's say that it's me. Let's say it's ASAP Talent, and I do both. I'm going to start working with that client on the contract side, and I'm going to get all their business because our firm is probably better than 98% of the other firms out there. So if you want to be the, the firm that wants to do only that, then keep doing it because I'll get your business. If, if you think you're in the SAP space and that's all you do, because I'll do more than that. I'll solve all their problems when it comes to talent. Hey, somebody help me with this guy. He, he talks fast. No, I'm okay with it. See, I, this is a guy speaking from authority in a niche, or excuse yep. me, in Canada, niche. Okay. 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 You've got. So this, this guy, I mean, he's right on the money. He's no, he, he is probably better than most other agencies. It's all these generalist agencies wandering around out here, just 
agreeing to any crap relationship, vendor management, all that. He's blowing those people away, as he uh-huh. should be. Okay, Pick so something you, and master it. That's what he's Jeremy, done. Jeremy, are you saying that really to, to, to take good care of your clients as a recruiter, you have to offer permanent placement and contract uh, services? I'm saying as much as humanly possible, we ought to change our internal logic in our head and change our paradigm. And it should be that understand your client's needs. And if in any way you can solve it, you should. That's what you should do. And when it's definitely not in your wheelhouse, you should be the one to still help them solve the problem by finding them someone that can, hopefully someone that's not competing directly with you or that's going to somehow take your business away from you if you want to build long-term relationships with clients. Okay. Why do you need two businesses? You say on LinkedIn that you're a VP of business development and sales for an SAP consulting firm as well as you're managing your own recruiting firm. How can you do both? That's a great question. That's actually a great question, and it's very difficult to do both. Hey there, Judy um, The reason that's a great question is I'm just fine. How that, are you? Oh, let's that Judy Who's that? Sure. Is that Judy at TFI in the background? Judy Cohen. Oh, oh. Anyway, um, it, it is a great – it's a, who they are? <laughs> uh, hey, we've, we've got a chance to listen in on somebody's uh, business call. Let's do it. Here you go, Animal. This is what you've been waiting for. This is it. This is it. Okay, let's let this guy, and then I'm going to ask Alejandro to – Okay, what was the great question again? Can you remind some of us that might have been uh, – he's, he's not just running his own headhunting business. He's got a, a parts business or a consulting business. You tell us about it. He's got another business. He's yeah. yeah, so generally I believe in the recruiting industry, uh, you get put into just uh, one of three or four buckets when you try to do business with a client. One of those buckets is, ah, you're just a – you're a sales guy. You're a transactional – uh, placement person, direct placement person. I think uh, you're not me. One bucket, one bucket is I, executive. Now, this is kind of weird, and you might be able to weigh, weigh in on this. So, which house is that? I just looked, and, you know, I pulled up the map on Zillow. And, you know, on Zillow, it says that it last sold for, like, $174,000 in, like, 07. That's somebody in Texas. I think that's well, one of your folks, Jeremy. I have no idea who that is. So, you know, yeah. but oh, you yeah. get put into a bucket. Corn Ferry gets put into a different bucket than, you know, Randstad does and, and so on and so on. And then you get put into a bucket of being a consultative salesperson that solves problems. You're more of a consultant. But one of the buckets that is very hard for any staffing person whatsoever in any of those three buckets to get into is deliverables. In SAP, there's a whole deliverable side of the industry that Deloitte, IBM, Computer Science Corp., uh, Accenture, they're all playing in that deliverable space. You can never get into that space if they view you as a recruitment person. And so um, I'm a biz dev person only for a, a company, that it, the, a guy that I've placed a few times in my industry, and now he owns his own business, and they do deliverables. So if if, if a company wants a project You're putting me to sleep. Sorry. A, I just have to stop. You asked. No, no, you asked Let me move question. on. So yeah, I know I asked. Right. I'm sorry I did. Alejandro, you want to talk to this guy? Alejandro. Uh, okay. What do I? What am I? What do I want oh, to talk to him about? You might have a question. No, you don't. You don't. Okay. No, I, I don't. Not question. right now. No, no. I got another question. He's just hard for me to handle. Okay. What do you get out of being in the Pinnacle Society? And I have to point out that I think it was Pauline from Australia asked last week on my Facebook group. She said, "You know, what's the point of positioning yourself as a a thought leader?" In recruiting, now I know you speak a lot about recruiting as, as well. Too. So, what do you what do you get out of the Pinnacle Society, and what do you get out of speaking to uh, other people about recruiting? 
You know, there's just an intrinsic thing that you get about speaking that uh, either it builds you up and makes you feel better about yourself. There's some of that. Uh, it, uh, I love you, – you do like giving back uh-huh. and hopefully making your industry better. I hope the industry is better 50 years from now than it is today uh, and that we all do a better job because hey, we can Animal, justify- I missed that. Sorry to interrupt, Jeremy. Um, is Jeremy a member of the Pinnacle Society? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I, I had a question maybe a couple of weeks ago for Bill Vick because he was an mm-hmm. original part of that. What mm-hmm. are the requirements to be in the Pinnacle Society? I know they've, I know they've changed. The, the requirements to be in Pinnacle Society are, first of all, you have to apply. And uh, it's not a – they don't ask you. You apply. Anybody can go Pinnacle Society website, look at it, look at the criteria, and then you apply. They verify your numbers uh, only one time. You don't have to maintain numbers forever to stay in Pinnacle. You yeah, what are the numbers, one. though? Three – Three out of the last five years have to be 400 grams in billings. And the way that that's defined is if you're a, a rainmaker, like guy that does a lot of client development and use project team members to fill, then if they found the candidate and you found the client, you only get 50% of the fee toward that 400. So solo people that truly do the client side and the candidate side, they can count 100% of their fee, but someone okay. that uses it like a candidate recruiter is supposed to split it. So 400 it. So, attributable yeah. to you then? Truly attributable to you. Some people kind of get that wrong, uh, but so there's people in Pinnacle that you know they'll say, "Well, I do a million a year," and some of them do. There's people that do a million or eight hundred, nine hundred. A lot of the people that are a mill or over use project teams, and um, so yeah, I don't solo, see how you how you couldn't use a project team to get there. It's t- there aren't very many people I know that truly solo eight hundred to a million plus. Not Why would you? <laughs> It'd be tough. It'd be I tough. mean, wouldn't you rather just pay a couple people to keep it going while you're down yeah, in the Caymans? Yeah. What do I get out of it? I mean, it's it's you get training. I mean, you get to surround yourself okay. with a ton of people that bill 500 to a million, and uh, they meet twice a year, every six months. You don't have to go to every single meeting. You're supposed to go to like one out of every two, and uh, so you just. Danny Cahill was our education chair for years and years. You know, you got. You know, Jordan Rayboy, you got John Bartos, you got just the opportunity to get, and it's not all, there's some that are MRI, there's some that are totally solo independent. It's just mm-hmm. a hodgepodge. Uh, it's so that, because like when you're in a certain system, like MRI, for example, which I came out of, there's great people in there, but you kind of constantly hear the same stuff. And so it's really cool to be, this is a more eclectic mix of top recruiters that are really, really good at what they do, and you just get to every six months go and, you know, put yourself in a situation for three days. How many of them are doing uh, contracting as well? You know, not many. Uh, in fact, one of my gripes about Pinnacle is I think that the industry's evolved beyond where it was 30 years ago. But it used to be that you were a perm recruiter or you were a staffing contract kind of person only. Yeah. And it's evolved to me, but they they don't even want to count that. They don't even want to look at that, count that. See, that's ridiculous. Say, there's a whole crowd of yeah. people out there managing oh, a small totally. company. That are killing it. And there's people doing hybrid models. I'm a hybrid guy. Bartos is a hybrid guy. You know, we do everything. And so um, I think it's probably 20 per- – I'm just totally guessing okay. here, but I, it's my gut feeling it's 20%. About 80% are nothing but direct hybrid. And I'm one of those, I'm one of those hybrid guys, and I can't see why they wouldn't want that kind of – Input and, and, yeah. and those kind of people on the mix. Sorry and for taking over your show, Animal. Yeah, and there's people that are doing contingency. There's people that are doing executive retained only, and then there's people doing blended. So there's a little bit of everything in Pinnacle. Okay, yeah. thanks. So you go to the Pinnacle Society where you got the top billers there, and you actually learn something. Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Resoundingly. No doubt about it. Give us an only, example. Only Animal.
animal could go to a meeting where people bill a million a year and not learn something. And not get anything. <laughs> okay. My yeah, goodness. It'd be crazy. Well, you'd be in there arguing with people, wanting to know how they get past the gatekeeper. I gotta tell. Look, I gotta tell you something. I got on Twitter right now since you know Maureen never checks it for me. I'm reading it myself, and there's people saying, "Oh, the the host is very yelly today." But I got other people saying, "Look, I'm glad he's calling that guy. I'm blowing smoke up my ass." or not answering a simple, direct question, okay? Those are the people who know what's going on. I'm not in the wrong here. I want to know... You're in the wrong. Yeah, I want to know one thing you learned, okay? And I've got to tell you something else. There's more than one line of morons calling into this show, because I finally caught one of them, and there was still noise was still going. I had to find somebody else. What was the area code? Just let's move on. I want to know what you learned. What did you learn? Quiet, Jerry, please. What did you learn? Tell me one thing you learned at the Pinnacle Society, Jeremy Sizemore. You, you know, a lot of times I'll just I'll learn a little trick and I'll give you a specific example, but you'll just learn language that people use and, and hey, I could use that. I could make it my own. And so one thing that, that, that I do is uh, at, coming out of Pinnacle was learning how to use metaphors and analogies, right, in selling, and then also um, how to properly ask the right questions that lead – the client to the obvious answer of what you want them to believe. And so what, here, here, here's, what here's the, the, huge, the, the huge thing that we got was, that I got was just to ask a client every single time to rank, rank in order of importance these three things when they have a search. You're dealing with a hiring authority. Ask them in order these three things most important to you. How critical is this position to your company? Uh, sense of urgency to fill. And those things are totally different. A lot of people confuse that in recruiting. Critical is the impact that that position can have on a business. So a janitor, for example, is not a very uh, critical role. However, it's urgent if you don't have a janitor when the toilet's overflowing. So sense of urgency, critical, two different things. And then the last thing is your perceived cost per hire. And I say it exactly that way. And you have client rank them in any order. It doesn't matter what they say because it totally sets up how you respond. Do you want to role play that with me, Animal? You do that? You do uh, I'd like to. I'd like oh, to. Oh, I love it. The guest asking Animal if he does role play. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Hamper, I'm going to write Hamper, this Hamper. down now. That's good Hamper, stuff. Hamper, this all Hamper, me. It's your show. It's your show. Oh, in a new era. It literally doesn't matter how they respond. Oh, my God. That was hilarious. Alejandro. Hey, Alex. Yes, yes. You role play with this guy. You role no, play. No, 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 no. This oh, is your no. show. I want to hear you do it. Yeah, you do it, animal. <laughs> okay, let's this, do it. I could just role play with myself. I mean, whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> Go ahead, role play with yourself. Do a selfie. Let's do it. Oh, selfie. oh come okay. on, animal. Okay, let me go on. Animal, okay. animal. Yeah, okay. Now, you call your company one of the most trusted SAP executive search firms in the United States. Is that like calling it, you know, my restaurant has the best roast beef in town, or is there any substance in that? Like, for instance, if you've got marketing secrets that we should all know, just by telling everybody, I'm the best, I'm the most trusted, I'm the most exclusive, I'm number one on LinkedIn, okay? If you do that all the time and it's bringing you business, I want to know it. Or to me, it just seems like what they call mere puffery, okay? And nobody believes it. But other people might. I I want to know the truth. I, I believe you got to have a fine line between confidence and, and arrogance or cocky to go out and win business. There's a lot of people trying to win the same business. So are you going to just be uh, forgettable to that client, or are you going to be someone that's memorable? So you got to cross that line. And uh, I encourage people – I love it when companies ask me, what do you mean by that? 
So if you if you want to put something like that in marketing or in website, you better be prepared to defend it. Okay. And so if a client asks me, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that client and see where are they located and what industry are they in. SAP is not an industry focus; it's a function focus. So if they're a food and beverage client in Chicago, I can talk to them about how I work with Beam Global, who, who owns Jim Beam Whiskey, and they're in Chicago, how we place people at Schwann Food up in Minnesota, and how we do work with Pepsi. Uh, and they're a food and beverage client, so I want to I talk to them about the clients we work with in their geography and in their industry. And uh, if we get into a, a, a communication that may lead to a partnership, I would encourage you to, to talk to some references. We'd be happy to set you up. But if you can't back it up, don't put something like that on there. I can Okay, so most trusted doesn't literally mean most trusted. It just means you're good. Okay, so well, how do you, you define also that? you know talk to my okay, clients. Let's move on. You yeah. also say we place the hardest to find niche SAP skills with our clients. I'm always wondering, people. You know, we've asked people here before. You know, when you're going to a new client, you say, "Give me your hardest to fill position." Some people say yes. Some people say no. What do I want to do? Yeah. Okay, but you. How do you fill these? Super hard to fill positions. How do you succeed where other people can't, or maybe the company? Yeah, can? yeah. I, you know, let me let me speak candidly, since most of us on this call are recruiting industry. I think eighty percent of your money should be made on much easier to fill roles than that. Every t- every time I know someone that only works on the hardest roles, they hardly ever bill anything. Because um, there's a reason they're like set with the hardest roles possible. But I think in new biz dev, when you're trying to land new accounts, uh, yeah, if you if you expect that you are good in the business and in the industry and you're gonna be good, I think it's a great way to to convert an account to get your foot in the door on an account. And then you better show them that you can recruit. And, and also, you may or may not make Jeremy, the placement, but you better show them you can recruit. Being being a specialist in SAP, their hardest SAP position might not be as big a stretch for you as if it's like a regular generalist IT recruiter and the company gives that person their hardest SAP, you know, order to cash, technical, whatever the heck. You know what I mean? That's a super valid point. Like, you know, honestly, super like a lot of times the, the, an, an, an internal client may think a job is a whole lot harder to fill than we actually do. You never want to make it seem like something's easy. You're actually de- you're devaluing your own fee. A lot of recruiters, that's a big pet peeve of mine. They go around talking about, oh, that's an easy search. Oh, I could do that for you, no problem. And then they wonder why they have a fee problem when they start justifying getting into the fee negotiation. You should always encourage a client to absolutely think that that's a super tough fill. And then it's a lot easier to get the fee that you want. Okay. Now, you also say we primarily work with Fortune 500 companies in virtually every industry. Are big companies better customers? No. Not necessarily. It depends. Uh, we, I believe in a um, – it's like, it's like a stock portfolio. We like to have some Fortune 100 clients, some Fortune 500, but some of the best accounts are the mid-sized Fortune 1,000 or 2,000 that are a little bit smaller, easier to deal with a CIO, easier to deal with VP of HR. Um, but, you know, Coca-Cola, are you going to talk directly to the CIO when you're an executive search firm? Probably not. Uh, you know, and so uh, we we like to have a little bit of everything in ours, but in the SAP space, a lot of them, like of the Fortune 500, like 480 of them are on SAP. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Um, now, what difference? You say every day my firm is recruiting, networking, and placing top SAP talent, director, VP, and CIO searches included. What difference is there from the most senior and the most junior searches, like, are the most senior really hard, or are they just the same, or are they easier? The highest level roles are the easiest to fill, 
it'd be a it'd be a tragedy if our clients really knew that because those are the biggest fees. They're the easiest to fill, easiest to find out who they are. Uh, you can Google CIO of any big company, and it's just you find it. But if it's a, a Unix administrator or a .NET person. Man, those are hard people to find in a big company, and so um, I'm I'm talking in IT because that's that's what I'm in. Uh, but I I believe the highest level ones are the ones that can shut their door. They have their own office. They're not in Cubeland. Uh, most of them have been placed by search firms multiple times in their career. That's why they're a director of VP. Uh, uh-huh. So they know the value of a recruiter and they know how to work with us. But the ones in Cubeland that probably haven't yet been placed by a recruiter, the hardest ones to to actually get on the phone and actually have a real conversation with them. So to me, uh-huh. the hardest to fill are the lower level ones. Okay. Now, but when you're working with these senior senior people, do you have to be able to sell them the move to justify the value of the move for them? Or really, are they the people who have the most expertise to say, that's going to be a good move for me? I, you know, only from opinion here, but to me, great recruiting is relationship building and understanding what that person loves about what they're doing and what what they don't like about what they're currently doing. And if you can't understand someone motivated, way before you start pitching what you got to pitch. Like we we train our people in our company not to start selling what the opportunity is because people start tailoring their answer to what they think you want to hear. And then we wonder why it falls apart at offer stage. So if you understand someone's uh, situation, what they love about what they're doing, because they want that in the next role too, but what do they not like about what they're doing? What would they like to see in their next opportunity that they're not getting where they're at now. And then if they happen to describe what you have, you got to fit. Then you got to fit. Okay, now what I like first of all, congratulations, your your answers are getting better. Okay? And uh but you said something before with regards to the Pinnacle Society that that I liked. Uh you said you you're interested in hearing specific words that you can use. So, I get criticized on this show for asking this question, but how do mm. you cold call somebody then because obviously you're working that you're calling somebody because you're working on a specific search but you don't start off talking about your search how do you start off what do you say to them yeah great question um you know first of all i try to make as a few cold calls as possible so everything i do throughout my whole day is how to make warm calls warm calls warm calls warm calls so use your market intel to always have even when it's someone that doesn't know you, that's how some people define a cold call. Okay, they don't know you, they don't know I'm calling. Yeah. yeah. But if if you have but if you have people in common, if you know something that's going on at their company that that people external to them should not know, it makes people sit back and go, "How the hell do you know that?" Like recruiters have great market intel, but mo- a lot of us don't use it right. So um, that's how I make my calls really warm. So it gets pe- people. You got 30 seconds to get them to either – they're trying to hang up. The moment they find out, oh, they're like, crap, I shouldn't even answer this call. Salesperson, recruiter call. You know, why did I even pick up? But if they do and you get lucky enough to get them, you got 30 seconds to get them to sit back in that chair. And it better be something like, hey, I understand that Bob Jones just resigned last week. In other words, he's still there and he ain't even left yet. His seat ain't even cold. And he went to make a move, and they'll ask you things like, how did you know that? It's it's our job to know that. I'm I'm focused in nothing but SAP, and um, that's a really really tough uh, to to roll to refill. So that could be a biz dev example. On the candidate side, you would do something um, along the lines of, you know, you might talk to them about a position that's exactly like the one that they're in that you just placed 90 days ago in the same location that they're in. And give them some market intel that sets you apart from other people because, you know what, when you sound exactly like everyone else, it's just blabber. And uh, so blabber is, I focus in, I'm great at, we're one of the top firms that does. 
You know, if whatever you say sounds like 95% of everyone else, you're a market chatter and nothing else. Okay, can you actually give us some of the words you use that you, let's say, imagine you're – you're calling somebody because you do call sure, you sure. do call people and do you use do. voicemail? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let, do you use voicemail? Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, we do. Yeah, uh, we do. A lot of people um, back in the day they said you catch them live or don't leave a voicemail at all. You know, so what uh-huh. we do, I think, you know, recruiting is different than it was ten years ago. It's way different than it was twenty years ago. So we uh-huh. hit, we hit them every which way to Sunday. We email them at work and personal. We call them at work and sell if we have all this. You know, we might LinkedIn in mail them if we have to. You know, and then we're gonna yeah we do leave a voicemail. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that um, less is more. Create curiosity, create a sense of urgency, but never get into a situation where you have roosted someone. You know, recruiters that do that. You know, if that's how you want to start your very first call with someone that you might be able to place, not only once but multiple times throughout your career by lying to them, then go for it. But we don't. What do you do mean? That. I don't teach my. What, what kind of lying? Are we, what, what, what are we talking about? Roosing. Lying. Jeremy, I'll give an example. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, because recruiters do it. You guys all. Well, know well-known right? industry trainer. I've, I've, sure. seen this, I've seen the same guy suggest this same way to create a mystery, to get a potential customer to call you back. And there it is. Uh, animal, hey, it's Jerry Albright. I'd, I'd be surprised if you hadn't heard this by now, but in the off chance you don't know what I'm calling about, I'd like to bring you up to speed. My my number is 260-347-1715. If you can call me back by 3 o'clock, as this is time-sensitive. I'd appreciate it, and I'll clue you in when you call. Thanks. Yeah, that'll piss someone off when they finally do call you back. Yeah, but you that's a, that's a well-known industry that's trainer still spouting that yeah. crap. Yeah, I, okay, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't, disagree. I, okay, but Jer- Jeremy, <laughs> you'd uh, use that? No, I wouldn't. You want me to give you an example, Animal, Animal, right? I want a, vo- a voicemail, yeah, okay, because you said you said that you have to distinguish yourself in 30 seconds. Sure. I'm wondering if you do it on the voicemail. 30 seconds on a live call and less than 60 on a voicemail for sure. If you aren't timing your voicemails, you should occasionally knowing how long they are, script them out. But when they're over 40, right at that 45 to 60 mark, man, you got to be wrapping up. So I'll do something like this. Hey, Jeremy Sizemore, ASAP Talent. I'm sure you've heard of our firm, one of the top SAP firms in the country. Um, We would love to have a quick conversation with you about what you're looking for in your next move. A lot of times people aren't even looking. Uh, right now, and I get that, we'd just like to know if there's a certain opportunity we run across in the next five years, what kind of position would you want us to proactively call you about? And it takes a, a quick 15 to 20-minute call to do that. My number is. So that, that could be one example. Um, you know, you got to build some element of credibility that you're awesome at, at whatever it is that you do what up. they do. You said, you know, you said you're using in-mail, you're using email, you're using voicemail, live call. Yep. How many times will yep. you approach this person? If you leave a voicemail, you don't get a reply. Will you leave a second voicemail or a third? Not on everybody, but ones that a lot of times – those of us that let's say you have 100 people on your deal and you're going through it and you know that there's 10 that oh my god if I can just get them they're that's a placement waiting to happen they're that good they're in the right location you know what they you've seen their LinkedIn profile you just haven't communicated with them but you know that that's the person those I will call up to three times in about a week and a half the the voicemails change the second one might say hey look man I emailed you I call you I haven't heard from you I know I'm I'm really hard to get a hold of I'm gonna email you one more time can you email me and let me know a good time that we can get on each other's calendar. Close for action, even in voicemails or emails. It's all about getting set up. Be respectful of people's time. A lot of times we catch them off guard. But get really good at scheduling calls. You can get really good at scheduling more calls, even if it's tomorrow or the next day. Uh, most, most, a lot of recruiters do not even have 15 live calls in a day. 
And you'll ask a, a rookie, you know, how many calls do you think you made today? And tenured people know that they always guess that wrong. What do you think your connect time was? They always guess it wrong, don't they? They're always way off, right? Thinking it's more than it is. Same thing on live calls. They think that they're in a lot more live calls than they are. It's a voicemail business. So if you don't get really good at ske- closing for action, scheduling calls and getting people on the phone, you know, you're going to just be average or worse. Okay. Now, I have to admit something at this point in the show, that I screwed up at the beginning by asking him about his marketing techniques for his own the stuff I read on LinkedIn and on his website. I challenged him about that. I don't like the answers I got, but he's given great answers to the more practical, hands-on recruiting questions. Now, some people are saying they don't like using the phone anymore. They like making their initial approach by email. Do you endorse that? To to me, whether one's first or second is is a little bit irrelevant, but um, I love emails to make a call uh, less cold and more warm. So, example, we might do an email blast to 100 people that we want to uh, go after for an opportunity, and then the script can say something like, hey, I just sent you an email. Did you get that? You know, if you catch them live, you know, and it's instantly warm. Oh, you sent me an email, so you must know me. You know my email. Um, let me go and look real quick. But it's a warmer call. It engages them in conversation. Where they, a lot of times people get shut down really quickly. But if you can use an email to set up a call, you still got to set the call up, and you still got to try to get them. And if you get voicemail, say, I sent you an email. The subject line was boom. You know, I would love for you to take a quick look at that and see if I can get on your calendar for 15 You'll minutes. send a subject line you know. boom, B-O-O-M? No, I don't. I don't put that in the subject line. Maybe well, I misspoke. I the subject said. line could. Oh, okay. I don't remember saying boom, line? but uh, you Sorry, put the subject line could be whatever. You know, if if people on this call aren't intelligent enough to are, figure out what your subject line should be, that's a whole other call. Are Are you okay. running the risk when you call somebody? You say, Hey, I just sent you an email about X Y Z. Did you get that? So when the answer is no, haven't you painted yourself into a little bit of a corner there by opening that way? I don't know about that. You're you're in, you got you're in the day and age of spam filters and whatnot. It's a good opportunity to get your damn email right. Oh, you didn't. Well, what's your email? You know, these are basic recruiting skills from 20 years ago. Get the right contact information for the people you deal with. Get Yahoo and Gmail when you can because that doesn't change. Work no, 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 change no. All I'm the time. not saying that they physically didn't get it. I'm just saying if the answer is no, haven't you painted yourself into a corner by giving them an opportunity to just say no? That would bounce off of me like water off a windshield, man. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, let me tell you why I was calling. I wouldn't even think twice about that. And, you know, people that apologize when they call, this happens all the time. People want to apologize. Hey, I'm sorry I caught you at a bad time. I know it's a bad time. Stop apologizing. They'll tell you if it's a bad time. I don't understand why people call and then say they're in a meeting. Really? You're in a meeting, and yet you answered my phone call? That's They're lying to you guys. They're just looking for reasons to shut you down. You know, I mean, uh, we need to grow a backbone in this industry and just say, uh, you know, and, and it's great. If you're in a meeting, great. Uh, when's a good time for me to call you tomorrow? And schedule it right then and there. If they had enough time to pick up the phone, they got enough time to talk for 120 seconds, schedule a call. A lot of us just, they just, people in our industry just let people shut them down right and left, and they just buy it, hook, line, and sinker. Will you call somebody oh, back? Tr- someone who shuts firms. you down today, will you call them back next week? Say, hey, I spoke to you last week. You weren't interested. I'm trying you again. No, will you do that? No. If, if, if I have a live conversation with someone and they've shut me down, I'm, then, hey, I've given it my best effort. I'm not here to waste my time. i got better things to do than that. But I will tell you this. People that get shut down from non-decision makers and then move on are making mistakes. Don't let a non-decision maker shut you down. Go around them. What do you got to lose? You don't have that client anyway. Go hire. 
Now, once a real decision maker in our industry, it could be a CIO, could be a VP of HR, could be an SAP director. If they shut you down on a live conversation and you've done your best, then plant the seed for future business and check in. You know, call and I say check in, but call them maybe another four to six months from now with a real candidate with something that's of value to them. We don't even do check. We don't do the check in calls. That might. The show's so much fun now. I screwed it up at the beginning. I'm feeling bad. Now, listen, you say one of the things you like to talk about uh, is the the key traits or common characteristics of a big biller. Is that something uh, you could deliver now in a few minutes? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know what everybody knows that I'm going to say is the low patience, the uh, extroversion, right? The old uh, the, the the four quadrant graph. Yeah, most big builders are low patients. They they usually are um, extremely extroverted type A types. No doubt about that. Most of us are disorganized, you know. And then you know a lot of the trainers in the industry go around and talk about uh, uh, planning, planning your day, and planning your day, and planning your day. Hey. Planning is it's, it's important, but I will tell you a lot of big builders don't have a plan worth a worth a damn. Can I and can I throw in a little secret here? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I'm not saying I'm a big builder. I've been accused of being a big builder. I'm not saying I am. I haven't had a plan in like seven or ten years. <laughs> you and me both. No, me you and me both. I mean, I don't I need a, I because I know in my mind what needs to go down today, and that you, stuff you is at the top you. of my mind. It, I, I can't shake it. I can't go to bed without I, thinking about what I need to do tomorrow. I don't have to write it down. I, I know uh, it. I own it. Jerry, that's that is a trait of big billers. Uh, so they talk. People talk about keeping yeah, stuff closest it. to the money. People. Talk I've got about, a shot at this. Then. Thank goodness. Yeah, you 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 have a shot, Jerry. I'm going to uh, stick you know, with keeping it. it <laughs> keeping it close to the uh, you know keeping it closest to the money. You know, people talk about that, and you know, um, but I think I think big billers they do know what are the ten to twenty things I have to do today. So interview debrief calls, interview prep calls, uh, uh, pushing process right, and I think that great recruiters are better on the front end of this whole cycle than the average ones. Now, the biggest, the the number one biggest difference to me in people that bill five hundred thousand and ones that bill two hundred, or a two hundred from a one hundred, or one that or just gets fired, fifty five, or gets fired, yeah, right, don't even yeah, make right. it, is that uh, they're working on crap, working on crap. So if there was one thing that I think a, a great big billers do is they understand that their time is worth money and they protect it, like they protect their own time. So you can't just work. You know, these vendor relationships with HR where they send you a piece of paper and you never even get to talk to the real hiring authority at all and expect to make money uh, very often. Now, a blind squirrel finds an acorn. That happens. Uh, but uh, a lot of times there's five to ten different you know, firms on that. That's sitting in dirty bathwater. And then uh, what they put on that piece of paper, a lot of times that's about 50% of what they really want. And, and the hiring authority has all these other ideas when you finally qualify. Those of us that talk to real hiring authorities know exactly what I'm talking about. You get all this stuff that's not on this piece of paper, right? And uh, you can at least understand how many firms are on this and why is it open. And have you excluded internal promotions on this deal? You know, and then but the the flip side of that is people working on these jobs for a week or two. The client doesn't even respect them enough to even call them to say that they internally promoted someone. That they had, uh, they didn't even tell them on the front end when they sent that over that they already had ten people in play before and- they even started. But and you've got the, the, that that same recruiter is so scared of rejection that yeah. they're not even going to ask the tough questions. They're just yep. going to keep working and piling resumes on and keeping their finger crossed. Poor sap. Yeah. It's, it's okay. A so the questions. So hold on. So your big questions are: 
Are you going to promote internally? Is there a chance of that? How many other recruiters are working on the position? Have you seen any candidates already? Is anybody in the running? Any other questions that people don't ask that you think are important? Yeah, yeah, we go a lot further. Um, I, I, I want you to ask hiring authorities uh, when the role needs to be filled by and go backwards. So if it needs to be filled by then, that means you need to be at offer stage by here. So if you need to be at offer stage by there, that means you need to be interviewing here. And, and it takes about a week to recruit. I want you to talk them backwards and, and uh, get them to do preset interview times. Well, and understand, I, I had one in my office that uh, went out and recruited for two weeks, and the, and the hiring authority was in India. In India for two weeks. He couldn't even interview. And I'm like, you know, on a contingency basis, who, who has all the risk, all the risk? You do. Your time and energy, you cannot get it back. You got about 48 weeks in a year, assuming you got three to four weeks of vacation. That, and you can work on how many in a week, one or two searches. It, it is critical to choose the right position to actually recruit on and to know where you stand with your client. Okay, um, And so asking all those questions, and you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. So if you want a retainer, start asking for them. You want exclusivity, start asking for it. At least understand how many other firms are on that and how many people are already in play on it. Where are they at? What do you like about the people you've looked at so far? Is there any that you've seen that you wanted that you tried to make an offer to and they turned it down? Can I see a copy of the resume? Um, what is the common theme of – a lot of times we, we get a search, right, and they've already interviewed people for the last 90 days, and none of them are a right fit. What is the common theme of why people keep getting ruled out? What are you hearing over and over and over again from your hiring authority? You know, And you know, make sure you understand, um, is the money right in the market? Um, is it a, a major market or a really small town? that no one's ever heard of? Is there relo or not relo? Um, but it, it, there's like at least 10 to 15 factors you'd look at to really grade a search assignment. So let's say to, I give you a job for a plant manager in, in, in Lebanon, Missouri, or someplace like Sheesh. that. It's a, you know, I would never recruit for a place in Lebanon, Missouri. Yeah, uh, I, you, I went to University of them? Missouri. I know it well. I'd stay away. You know what I'm saying, Animal? <laughs> Uh huh. I know exactly anyway. what you're saying, Jerry. But you'd actually yeah. say Lebanon. Like, well, how would you how would you walk how would you turn walk out of that one if you know you're talking? Yeah, yeah, Jeremy. I got a search for you. I'm having trouble filling it, and you say you know you're really good at hard to fill things. It's it's in this little uh, neglected plant in in uh, Lebanon. Yeah. Well, what would you say? Man, well, thanks, but no thanks. Mike Kittleson was a multi-million dollar biller for KBIC, Jeff K's office. And, I mean, over a million, like, ten years in a row, right? And uh, Mike Kittleson said uh, when a hiring authority tried to sell him on how great a job order like that was, he'd go, don't sell me your smoking turd. You know, oh! That was his, his one-liner. That was his one-liner. Don't sell me your smoking turd. But can I, you know, can I add something here, though, Animal? <laughs> if I recall the particular example that you're using, this Lebanon, Missouri, wasn't that – more or less right at the very darkest part of the, of our recession wasn't that during a time where frankly anybody was happy to have any job order so it it's not that you're going to stack that in with 10 other hot urgent got to fill this week positions if that's your only one you telling me you aren't going to work it like it's your day job isn't it about supply and demand, prioritizing? If, 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 or, I mean, if, you take it out this isolated uh, recruit for Lebanon, Missouri. If that's the only company that said that they'll pay you money to recruit for them, that's the one you're working on. 
Things can change in a refresh to Jerry's point. And you should have lost the job so you can stack rank the best ones, right? 80-20 rule. What are the best searches you have? And work on the right ones. But he's right. It, I used to say if, some, if that's your only job order, it's your best job order. I used to say that, right? But I've actually rethought that, Jerry. I think you're better off to do nothing but biz dev with a great MPC than to work a really crappy J.O. Dude, I tell you. We were in such an anomaly of a marketplace, what, five, six years ago, seven years ago, whenever that was. I'm just I'm just saying. You got a little bit of perspective on the question would help. That's all I was saying. No doubt. No doubt. I, yeah, there's no point, I, I do think it changes with the economy a little bit. And but yep. right now most of us are in a pretty good economy unless you're in oil and gas. Uh and uh you know, do lot but I do agree with this. Do lots of biz dev. Don't ever stop. Don't Absolutely. ever stop. You know, okay. and hey, do you, you should stack rank your jobs. All your business development is, is marketing uh most valuable candidates, is that what you said? No, no, we do a lot of that. It still works to this day. I mean, it's 2015. It still works, no doubt about it. Um, we we do all kinds of things. Uh, we do uh, we do an, uh, an SAP focus compensation market intelligence report, and uh, so we do a lot of brand building, sending that out to VPs of HR, CIOs, VPs, directors. We we put a lot of money into SEO and marketing, but uh, we also occasionally just know that I don't have a great MPC and they have a role that is exactly like what we do. In those scenarios, we we build it right into our voicemail and email of the exact searches we've done exactly like that that are near them or in a similar industry. And we springboard off our success and, and we drop names. We tell them, hey, we've placed that exact role with ABC Company over there in Chicago literally 90 days ago. Because of that search, I'm literally working with people right now in Chicago that would be interested in that role. Can we talk? So, yes, yeah, springboard off your success basically. Uh-huh. Okay, I guess this has to be the last question. Uh, you said you love talking about how our industry is super competitive, but in my opinion, it isn't that hard to be in the top 10%. Yeah, and it's for a lot of the reasons that we've been talking about for the last hour. Um, it's super uh, like, competitive like because okay. like, it's super like, competitive uh, because of how many there are. Yeah, it's comp- people define competitive as there's lots of them. There's lots of recruiters. We know that. Everybody on this call knows that. Lots of recruiters out there. That's a good point. There aren't very many. There aren't very many that are very good, is my point. People that have real training, that take it as a career, not a job, that want to become a market master in any industry, whatever it is, you you could just study an industry for 90 to 180 days and start to get it. I mean, I built 400 my rookie year, and I didn't have a client on day one. I had to do the full desk, and that was was the year 2000. Uh, Yeah, so people can do it, Um, but you have to take it seriously as a career. And, And the other thing is, you will be treated the way you allow yourself to be treated. So if you want to be a vendor, 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 and to go do that thing and jump through the vendor hoops and sign their agreement with the net four, uh, net 90 pay terms, right, with the uh, uh, six-month candidate ownership for the 18% fee because that's our vendor agreement, then you will, you'll just be treated the way that you're allowing yourself to be treated. And so go and set up partnerships if you want to be – more consultative, if you want to be treated more like a Deloitte or an IBM or an Accenture, if you want to be treated like a professional services firm versus a transactional car salesman type of a sales firm, there is a two different things going on right now. And our industry is at a paradigm shift of you just want to be a transactional, like I'm going to do buzzword matching and try to throw crap against the wall and see what sticks kind of a firm, or are you going to really become a market master, become an industry expert, okay, and it, do me, really good things? Let me just do one follow-up there. You've got just a, a basic liberal, liberal arts degree, I think, with a, a major sociology. in sociology. You're, you're, not, sociology, a, you're yeah. not an engineer or anything like that. So yep. buzzwords must be pretty important to you. Am I mistaken about that? 
That is true. You have to. But you have to know what they actually mean. There's a lot of recruiters in my industry in SAP. If the buzzword's on the dang resume, they think that's good and send them in. It's crazy. It's crazy what's okay. going on in the industry. But IT you is don't a learn highly jargonized industry. You have to learn. Well, okay, if he yeah. was an engineer, that's the point. Hold on. There's people. There's some basic question. They say that, you know, uh, I hire people who've got, you know, a background in, in, that, in that field, uh, you know, professional background in that field. Okay, Lame. let's, you know, Jeremy, I, you know, I really enjoyed I didn't enjoy the first half hour. I take responsibility for that. I'm really enjoying this now. I'm sorry that we have to end it, but thank you very thanks, much Jeremy. for coming on. Yeah, okay? great, great uh, hour. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it, Animal. Uh, definitely come on again. Thanks, guys. Okay, great. Take care. All right, bye. Yeah, bye. How were the goldfish? They were all right. They were all right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Fattening. I'm. I'm really wanting to just uh, once again <laughs> cut out all the processed grains and breads and stuff. That's the quickest way to to lose uh, lose ten pounds. Yeah. 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 You know, there's not really much to add to this. It was a great show. That guy knows. He really what he's warmed doing. up. He you really know? warmed up. It was nice. Yeah. Once yeah. you get past this. Rudimentary. I, I I think really the focus needs to be on animal needs to change his approach, his format. His, I don't know. He nah, wasn't answering questions directly at first. It's it's well, it's going to hell. The first the first ten minutes of every show is trying to pull it out of the ditch and get it on the road. He's starting the show off in the hole, and that's hmm, where his focus needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The first. first I mean, he thinks it's cool show. to do this stupid song thing. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. He yeah, starts by badgering thing, the yeah. guy into a corner. Nobody yeah. wants to have to come out swinging. They're 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 learning the learning the ropes of the show, and animals in their face. Interesting point. I think the first fifteen minutes can be slow for some people. It's all. It's always slow, until. I mean, it's almost like the guy or the gal, whoever the guest is, has to break through with such a, such an overwhelming, almost an epiphany of expertise that some some guests do, and some yeah. just really don't. Never recover. So yeah. yeah, and so animals going to just berate those people into oblivion. Animal needs to regroup. I don't know about. I mean, I think you're you're being a little bit overly harsh, but I I think there's something to it where you say that yeah, putting people on their heels from the outset is tough. Hey Alejandro, you're in New York, right? Uh, that's where I'm at. Man, I need a couple. I need a couple uh, what, uh, front end uh, software developers there, contractors, consultants. Oh yeah. You ever, you ever have any of those guys run across your desk? I mean, you, I need two of them bad. I actually have somebody who I've helped him with some of his recruiting. Who that's like his niche now. He's he's going nuts with front end people. I'll, I'll make a phone call. Let's talk after the show, and I'll, I'll make a phone right. call and see what you're looking for. Well, you guys know how to find well, me, but I gotta get back to work. Are you looking for JavaScript? Um, no, it's the. I'll talk to uh, my recruiter that's working on it. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's the whole front to back end thing. So it's, oh yeah. I mean, they're a .dot net. 
Sharp okay. use PHP. They they use a little bit of all of it. Okay. So I'll, I'll okay. send you some notes on it. WPF, WCF type stuff? Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you everything that all I've right. got shortly. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, all right. everybody. Have a great day because i got to get back to work, man. I, I'm just swamped. But I thought it was a great show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.